Well, hello, friends. I am bringing you episode number 23 today of the Nerd's Guide to Financial Independence podcast. Today, I have on Kira. She is an amazing person around the Instagram real estate investing community, and she also co-runs the Like-Minded Investors Real Estate Group, which you definitely should check out because once a month, we do a meetup, and it's all over Zoom, and it is fantastic. So I think you guys are going to love hearing more about her. Hey friend, I'm Sarah, and welcome to the Nerd's Guide to Financial Independence podcast. I am here to show you that financial independence can be for anyone who wants it badly enough, and that investing in real estate doesn't have to be scary, take a vast DIY knowledge, or involve heaps of debt. When I am not sharing my own progress to FI, I'll be picking the brains of fellow like-minded, debt-conscientious investors. I am so glad that you are here, my fellow aspiring retirees. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but I really wanted to come on here and talk to you about the management program that I use to manage my real estate properties. And it is called Avail. If you have not heard me talk about it, I'm extremely obsessed with it because it is like cozy on steroids. So I do all of my tenant screening through there. I can do background checks. I can do criminal checks. I can do eviction record reports. You can have the tenants pay for their own background checks. And you can also push your advertisement for your properties out on various platforms. And once you get it listed, people can apply. You can add custom questions to your pre-screen. And then once they're in you know, the system and you've chosen your tenant, they can do all their rent collection through there. They can put their security deposits in. They can show proof of insurance. And my absolute favorite part, which is really hard to find, is it is a one-stop shop because I can do all of my lease forms electronically. Goodbye paper. This is my favorite thing, especially as a real estate investor that has aspirations to be a passive investor. I want it all to be able to be handled on my phone. And I can do that with Avail, which is awesome. So if you want to check it out, I highly recommend pop over to Instagram, go in my bio, click on the link, and right at the top, you're going to see my favorite you know, landlord software right at the top called Avail. Please go check it out. Hey, everybody. It's Sarah, and I'm here with, do you go by Kier or Kirsten, or how do you, what is your actual, like, what is your preferred name? Actually, I should ask you from the beginning. Preferred name is definitely Kier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we know you as, I know everyone by their Instagram handles. So we know you as Kier Real Estate Investor. Like, that is kind of your, like, like logo in the top. So I'm like, that's how I know people by their handles. So yeah, it's very good. So we've been following each other for a while. And then you guys started this like-minded real estate investors group, which was so exciting. So, and who did you start that with? I can't remember now. It, Mindy and I started it yes. together. Yep. And now Jen's on board and we've had a whole bunch of other contributors along the way. And it's just a cool little community. 
Yes. So you are like the tech genius behind the, because I know you spend so much time kind of building out this awesome little mastermind. And so that's phenomenal. If you want to look up like-minded investors, that's another place they can find you. Um, but that's really mostly how we got connected as I kind of attended the after hours one day and with Jen and Joe, and we'd always followed each other, but I think that's the first time we've ever gotten to like talk a little bit more. And then we've been touching base a lot more lately, which is super fun. So I love to hear what you have going on. So tell people, you know, how you got into the crazy world of real estate, because we're big fans of real estate investing. We have kind of similar strategies, so we'll kind of dive into that. But at what point did you say, you know, real estate's going to be the way we go? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I started, I feel like I'm actually one of like the, I almost said yucky. I'm almost one of the lucky people, uh, that kind of grew up actually around real estate. My mom was a realtor. She still is. Um, my dad owned his own entitled title insurance company. Um, they owned a dozen of rental properties. They had fix and flip houses. They did that on the side. Um, so I kind of grew up like cleaning out hoarder houses, painting apartments, listening to them talk about real estate at dinner, like, you know, kind of in my blood, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like that experience can make or break people. I've definitely heard some people say I've cleaned out enough hoarder houses. I'm never doing that again, (laughs) but you were kind of inspired instead. You went the other direction. So how do they, how do they encourage you to fall in love with real estate versus hate the clean out days? You know, what is so funny? I, yeah, I loved the hoarder houses. I loved digging through the stuff. It was fun. Um, but actually after high school, I didn't want to go to college. I immediately wanted to be a full-time flipper. My parents said like, that's not an actual career and (laughs) kind of forced me to go to college, but I'm totally grateful for that now. Um, so actually they did not, uh, encourage my real estate investing. Um, so I went to Penn state university. I graduated with a um, degree in business management. I actually got my real estate license in 2009. Uh, then I got a corporate job as a property manager. And then I actually, um, I was like, this is what I want to do. Parents, let me, let me do this. Let me live. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I actually started partnering with my parents on like fix and flips on the side. Um, But then my dad got sick. He passed away shortly after that. And my mom didn't continue flipping. And I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, then I got comfortable in my corporate job, like kept getting promotions and yeah. Yeah. So you so, feel really deep that quote that goes around where it's like, it's like the money they give you to forget up, like to forget about your dreams. Like that quote that kind of floats around the debt-free community or the financial independence community where they sell you on this income. I'm totally guilty. I'm totally there. Like I can be bought, it turns out. <laughs> so you get tied to this W-2 job. So it's, it's hard to not let go of that. And yeah. It, so how did you kind of get from the W2 job, you know, working more and more, I'm guessing to finding time to do real estate. Um, so actually, I guess I, during that time I met my now husband and, um, he's a contractor. And so I was kind of like, (laughs) I'm an agent, you're a contractor. Hmm. Like maybe we should try this flipping thing together. So, Um, back then I thought you had to buy everything in cash. That's what my parents did. So I saved and saved and saved for my corporate job. He was saving, um, 
we actually were paying down a little bit of debt, but not as aggressively as we could because we knew we wanted to try and get into flipping houses. Mm-hmm. And we purchased our first house uh, to flip in cash and took a $20,000 advance on a credit card, which I do not recommend. <laughs> it worked out for us. Yes. But, um, and then, yeah, we just paid most of the renovations on credit cards and luckily it worked out. (laughs) That's kind of your all in moment. Have you had one of those yet where you feel like you're like, okay, we're going for it. Was that kind of your foray into real estate? I feel like when people start using credit cards, you've kind of like lost your mind or you're onto something great. (laughs) So I think that's a lot of people's great moment. We're like, okay, we're really doing this like buckle in. So yeah, I was like, this is either it. We're either going to make it or we're going to totally fail and learn some really great lessons. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like a love story around here. Like a contractor met a real estate agent. <laughs> I think if you ever write a book, that should be the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That definitely might. Do you be remember how book. much you paid for your flip? Oh my gosh. Yes. We, um, like all in closing costs and everything. It was roughly 80,000. Okay. Um, we put 25,000 into it. We sold it for like 159, I think. So I know we netted around like 37 in profits on it. And that was our first one. We were four months over timeline, but yeah, way under budget. So, and we made a nice That's rare that you're under budget, but probably because he's a contractor. You're like, I can do estimating rehab costs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you know, actually with that property, um, actually that's where I got uh, my first taste for cash flow. What happened was the put the property on the market at the wrong time of the year. It was like right before winter. Mm-hmm. We had a ton of interest, but nobody could qualify for some reason. So we were like, let's just rent it out for six months. So we rented it out for six months. And I was like, this is amazing. Can't we keep this property? And like, yeah. I didn't have mentors back then. Um, my parents bought everything in cash. So they didn't really understand the power of leverage. I hadn't discovered bigger pockets. So I was like, I didn't know what else to do except sell it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, to this day, I'm like, oh, if I had just known (laughs) what I know now, like that would be in my rental portfolio. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I feel like everyone has their one that got away story. So (laughs) that's ours. That's yours in the beginning. So did you guys keep flipping after that? Um, we have only flipped one other property since then we've kept the others. That's good. So you kind of got the idea of what I feel like the first time you ever collect a rent check and you've like placed a tenant and you get that first deposit, you're like, Oh, this works. Like, (laughs) which sounds really dumb, but I always have this moment where I'm like, "Ah." every time the rent comes in for the first time, after you place a tenant, it's nice. You just kind of get this feeling of, okay, I can do this. You want to keep going with these buy and holds and keep cashing those rent checks. So it's literal proof that it works. Yeah. It works. So yeah, because I always talk about um, my, so my private money lender, the first time they got a rent check, because I set up as like, I would be their property manager for my house hack. And then they got paid the rent to cover my living costs and to pay down my loan. Um, and so they got the rent checks. I'm like, this is awesome. We're doing nothing. And we're getting like $1,300 a month. I'm like, you're welcome, but you did loan me a big pile of cash. So thank you guys. <laughs> so, but it's intoxicating. I feel like a little bit where it, that kind of hooks you in the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you still active as a realtor? Do you still have your W2 job? Kind of where are you and your husband now? 
Um, so we own a uh, remodeling company. So along the way, he, he, you know, he was always a contractor, but we kind of decided to um, grow his remodeling business um, because of the fact that we flipped that first property and then we sunk all of that cash and profit and everything into our next house hack slash burr that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like, again, still hadn't discovered the power of leverage, didn't have enough cash to do anything else. So we're like, let's get some capital and grow this remodeling business. Um, so that still takes up a good majority of our time. Uh, we've done, like I said, the two fix and flips so far. We have four doors. Um, we've used the Burr strategy. We've house hacked. We're actually currently doing another live in Burr. Nice. Um, yeah, which I'm super I excited about. I want to dive through both of those. Tell me about your first live in Burr because I, I we've done that. Yeah. Those are always exciting. Living first- in a renovation is something. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. And actually, I mine's, ours is kind of a fun story because it was, it was a HUD property. Oh, nice. So we, yeah. It was a, yeah, foreclosure and it's a two unit. It was a single family home with a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment above the garage. So we were actually lucky enough to be living with family for free. So we let the house sit for a little bit while we fixed up the apartment. We rented that out. And, um, then we actually got a small HELOC on the property cause it was now worth, you know, at least a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, so then we fixed up the house. We moved into it. Then we got another slightly larger HELOC. Mm-hmm. And then you're like gradually uh, being like, I'm a little more comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then with that HELOC, we, uh, went and bought our duplex, um, which we're currently in the process of doing a burr on. And then we added a master suite to the attic of that house. So it was a Mm -hmm. three, three, one became a four, two. And then we got a mortgage and a HELOC, (laughs) like paid off all the other HELOCs. I just want, didn't, I wanted to like secure, I wanted to simplify and secure like a 30 year mortgage instead of just a 10 year, year HELOC. Right. Um, which was nice. So then we used the rest of that HELOC money as a down payment on the house that we're currently in. So it was kind of almost like a like a snowball effect. Yeah, that's definitely, so that's fascinating. So I'm trying to think because this, like I followed you, but I'm like, for people that are newer, how do we break this down a little bit? Because that's so, that's such a good strategy. So essentially you bought a single family. Okay. So first of all, you bought the burr I've been searching for or the house hack I've been searching for because my dream. So my next one's going to be like, I just want a house with a garage with an upstairs because you don't feel like you're cohabitating. Like you don't share walls but you're house hacking. So you found like my dream property that I continue to look for. I found one and it sold in a day all cash. And I was super angry about it. And so I found oh, one ever, but I'm like, this is like my dream house hack. So I'm mildly fangirling over that as your start. <laughs> when I came across that property again, I still hadn't discovered bigger pockets at that time. I was like, this makes so much sense. It's like, we're in our own house and almost not living like directly with a tenant and yeah. we're still technically house hacking. Someone is still helping us pay our mortgage. Like how cool is that? Yeah. And it's such a little, a nice taste of house hacking where you kind of get hooked on the idea of someone could live on the property with you and pay for at least part of your mortgage. So it's yeah. like a safe way. You kind of get hooked on the like paying less mortgage payment. So then you're like, okay, maybe we can get more adventurous and house hack a little bit differently next time. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was tough for us to decide to purchase a single family next. We were definitely looking for another house hack, but we couldn't pass up this property. Yeah. Yeah. That's so exciting. So, all right. So you renovated the, above the garage. And so that's what you use to get the first HELOC, right? Yes. So, okay. So essentially you remodeled it. You've improved the value of the property. So you have to get another appraisal and then they can allow you to do a HELOC on that. Mm-hmm. And then you fixed up the house a little bit and then ultimately added the matter master suite. And then I totally am with you on the securing debt on a 30 year fixed note. Like that just makes me warm and fuzzy inside because usually HELOCs, I don't know if yours, like the interest rate will change over time. And the, I, that I don't like uncertainty, like you guys are used to listening to me freak out about debt. So <laughs> like that uncertainty is interesting. So I, I like that you've like conservatively started getting into leverage. It wasn't like an all in, I guess you credit carded in the beginning, but you quickly got rid of all of that and switched to like a more secure financing method. Yeah. I was like, I I'm not doing that again. It was very nerve wracking. Uh, you know, it's terrifying. So I've done it now. And I used to sit there. Well, first of all, bigger pockets used to scare me. And I used to sit there being like, these people are nuts. Like they're using credit cards to renovate their house. And then I'm renovating my house hack using credit cards. <laughs> so I've been there <laughs> where you're like, hey, we're going to finish this renovation one way or another. Here we go. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And how did your, does your husband, like, is he okay with debt or is he kind of afraid of it? Or was he okay with using the credit cards? When, when we met, he was actually in debt and I actually brought money to the relationship. <laughs> um, yes. So he's de- was definitely more okay with debt than I was. So it was kind of a nice compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely getting kind of used to the idea and things because most people grow up thinking debt and credit cards and everything is normal. So you kind of had a different upbringing, which is interesting. So you, you remind me slightly of like Lauren from Reynolds to wealth. Like she just, yeah, she has the same, like she came in the relationship so savvy about money. And then Kyle, like, didn't have a choice. She was like, just going to have to get on board. They cracked me up. Lauren so. and I talk a lot and we joke of how just mirror image our lives are. Sometimes we have the same investing strategy. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. And you guys both got hooked on Burr. So yeah. We did it and then realized there was a name for it. I was like, you know, what is it? Uh, buy, rent, rehab, refinance, repeat. I was like, oh my gosh, we've done the refinance part like yeah. three times now on this property. It just, I was like, this just makes so much sense that I just wanted to keep doing it. I am finding it hard now um, to find like a, a, a good burr in this market, which I guess I'm still grateful that we have our other duplex that we're working on the burr and this property that we have. So I'm kind of good on burrs for a little bit, I guess. Yeah. So in order for a burr to be successful, there has to be more of a gap than people realize. And I think like on my own house hack, like I ran it a little too skinny um, because I essentially, I should have bought it for a little bit lower to make it appraise higher, I guess. Like you have to have a little bit of gap if you want to like suck the money out and use it again. So you want to be able to have it appreciate up higher. Like it's called forced appreciation because you renovate it. So it values for higher and then you finance that portion. So, but in order to exactly what you're saying with the market being so hot, your margins are so skinny on a burr because once you sink all your rehab money in, you're like, Oh, well this better appraise for what I want it for. So it's hard times right now. I was just going to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, leaving some money in some deals, you know, right. I, like this property we're in now that we're 
doing the live in Burr. I wouldn't mind if we had to keep a little bit of cash in the property. Yeah. And I definitely, and it helps with your cash flow, honestly, to keep a little bit instead of leveraging it. Like it keeps your cash flow numbers happy. So once you get cash flow obsessed, you walk a really fine line with these bird deals. <laughs> so exactly. it's so tricky because I, um, wanted to put less money down because I was just low on money when I refinanced my house hack in, I was like, Oh, but I like my cash flow is looking sadder by the minute, the more, the less I put down, but I'm like, it'll be worth it in the end. It was every house. You kind of have to know your strategy and what you need at the time. So people are very afraid of inheriting tenants. How did you guys feel? I was, I've done it once and I kind of freaked out also, but it wasn't nearly as bad as everyone online makes it seem. I psyched myself out. So did everybody was telling like the old landlord, the realtors all saying that, you know, these, these tenants aren't, aren't the most cooperative. They don't pay rent on time. You know, I found it to be the complete opposite. They have never once paid me rent late, except for this whole mail change. When we did change of address, I got some things late, but that wasn't their fault. Right. But I mean, I don't hear from them. They, it's, it's a great, th- I mean, that's why they're, they've been there for two and a half years without us doing much to the property. I'm like, as long as they, they've been there for 30 and 17 years. Wow. How did you set, did you have to set new expectations with them or how did you do the transition part? Yeah. So we just wrote up our lease. I basically, you know, set an appointment with them. You know, this was obviously pre COVID went to their, yeah. their apartments and uh, I just sat down with them and went page by page over the lease and kind of was like, this is our lease. This is what we have to abide by because we got to treat everybody the same. Yep. Um, if you don't like it, then you're going to have, we're going to have to give you notice and yeah, we can sign it and be wonderful tenants. And that's what they decided to do. So awesome. Did you raise rents or keep them the same? So, um, the one side is actually section eight. So we got, it was amazing. I ran my numbers at the, um, at the, you know, what it was listed at and we got a hundred and like $20 increase within a month, just section eight sent us a letter and they're like, here's an extra $120 a month for this apartment. I was like, okay, great. Sweet. Yeah. The other side, uh, she actually, she, uh, had a a one car garage on the property. So all we did was we left her rent the same, but took away the one car garage and rented that out. Okay. Interesting. Was she okay with that? Or probably, I mean, I don't know what you do at that time. (laughs) I think she was happy that we were keeping her. There were, you know, a lot of investors apparently had gone through the property and, you know, said they would have to get rid of the tenants out and, you know, redo the property. And can you imagine after 30 years? I don't know. I know it's not the investor way to speak, but it's her home. It's been her home for 30 years. She pays rent and she's a great tenant. Yeah. And especially if you're not having any problems, I think it'd be another thing if, you know, she's causing all these problems and you kept her rent the same, but if you're not having issues, that's phenomenal. Like, because people think like you have to get in and renovate right away and things you're like, as long as you're, you're cash flowing. So there's no like fire happening and you can invest in other areas. And when they move out, like you can rent then or like renovate it then. That's what we had originally did. Like we were, we're like, you guys can stay for as long as you need to stay. And then we'll go from there. But we did bump up rents a little bit because we, um, yeah, the the previous landlords had kept like really bad record keeping and the tenants were just like slowly paying them less. <laughs> so, 
Oh my god! Like I don't know how it happened, but I'm like, okay, your lease actually says seven hundred dollars a month, and she's like, well, I pay six fifty. I'm like, well, I have no idea how that's working out, but we're gonna keep you at seven hundred. So it was the oddest thing. I have no idea how they ended up there, but yeah, she was just paying less than her lease said. So you know, we're like, if you don't like, you know, when we maintain your lease, then you can move like move out if you need to. We totally understand. Like this might be a challenge, but yeah. It was the oddest thing. So, and then was she okay paying the 700 then? She was not happy at first. And I'm like, I understand like this is frustrating. And then she paid it for another six or eight months, I think, and then moved on. But she was moving to be like with her family um, who, yeah, like her family got in a new place and she was moving in with them. And yeah, I think it was just her natural time to move on. I don't think it was a rent issue. I think it was a family thing, but yeah. Yeah. She ended up really liking us though, because we got her a new fridge and a stove. So we did like some minor improvements while she lived there because her fridge was scary. Um, and I'm like, I, it didn't even have a light on the inside. Like, you know, like when you open the fridge, it was just like a cave. Like you literally can't even see your food in the back. This is so sad. So I got on Facebook marketplace and got her a new fridge and a stove. And then this oven would only work on broil. I'm like, I just, not like, technically an oven. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not an, like, she's like, we cook pizza in it. I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I'm like, I know I'm charging you extra month, but you have a beautiful fridge and a stove, you know, like let's work on this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah. So rent inheriting tenants, not that bad. Um, do you do, so they mail you checks still, do you guys do any like online leasing now or anything like that? Or what are you guys using to manage your units? So actually, um, everyone pays online except the section eight tenant owes a very small portion of their rent and he does nothing online. So that's the only reason, basically the only reason I have a PO box. Right. (laughs) Um, and PO boxes are surprisingly cheap. So that's good. They are. It's like, it was $92 for an entire year. Yeah. Because I went to get a PO box and they're like, I'm like, I want a whole year. And I'm like, just let me know how much it is. And I think she, I think it was, yeah, like around $90. I'm like, oh. This is nothing. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but so we use cozy. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I've used it since day one. My tenants love it. Yeah. Maintenance requests in there. They can upload their insurance there. They yeah. pay their security deposit there. Like, it's just so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. So that's fantastic. I used to use them in the beginning and I've kind of evolved, but it, it works great. It does. It's really simple. I would say it's the most simple like software out there for tenants to understand, like, I feel like they can mess it up the least because it's very, it's very user-friendly because there's not a lot of options, not a lot of things they can click so that you just like go on and pay your rent. <laughs> so, which I greatly appreciate sometimes because I'm like way less handholding. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Cozy is awesome. Yeah. What do you use? Um, so I'm using Avail right now. Okay. Um, so I've been using them. Um, I'm slowly switching everyone over because I can do my Elise's electronically. And so that has been my big switch because COVID times and everything. And I didn't want to pay a ton to do like buildium or something. So I went there so I could do Elise's electronically because I feel really awkward going over lease forms with people. Like I just hate it. And so I can be like, email them their lease and they can go in and read it in their own time. And I'm like, then if they don't read it, I don't have to like sit down with them and read through their lease while we're at a coffee shop or something. And I'm like, I don't know what that looks like during COVID because normally we'd like meet at the house or meet at a coffee shop. I'd buy them a cup of coffee. We'd go over the lease, you know, and now it's just so weird. So trying to avoid that automation. 
Yeah. We, uh, we use DocuSign for, um, yes. for, for leases. So now I don't have to sit down and actually go over them anymore. So I don't know why thing. that was so anxiety provoking for me, but somehow it was because I'm like, do I read it to you? Is that condescending? Like, are you sitting there being like, this is ridiculous. Listen to this girl read the lease. Like, does she have any idea what she's doing? <laughs> but I think it's all just in your head because they don't really know either what's normal or what's not. So I was just about to say that when I was in property management, that's what my um, manager that trained me, like my regional manager, she's like, they don't know if you're supposed to read it to them. If you're not supposed to, she's like, I just like to read it to them so that I can say, I sat down and read to you every single word. (laughs) So yeah, that's really interesting coming from that job. Did that, how long were you in that role? Um, I think like four, about four years. Yeah. So you learned all the things with leases and it was, I, it was, I actually would not take it back for anything. I got to take all the free fair housing classes. I got to take courses on just anything and everything I wanted to take. They paid for it and let you did it, do it. So, um, I would, although I'll never go back to corporate America, (laughs) I, I would not trade that for anything. I bet. Yeah. So did you read the leases to them in corporate America and today? Well, I guess now that you DocuSign, probably not, but not anymore. Yeah. Those inherited tenants were the last ones that, um, I will probably ever sit down with in person and read it over. I mean, they're signing it. So I really, maybe I'll just start to reiterate, please read every single word. No. (laughs) Yeah. I was looking at this program the other day and it's way too expensive for me to do, but I'm like someday if I have all these units, like you can video record yourself, like going over the lease. And so they can like get an email with the video so they can watch you like go over it before you sign. And like, then at least I tried to read them the information, give them a summary. So actually a very good idea. Yeah. One of my, um, so the insurance company that I go through for our rentals. So they're all like owned by the business. And so we have like a commercial insurance policy. He used it to go over my new commercial policy and break down each of the properties and their estimated like costs and rent, like all the details of our really lengthy insurance policy. And I was like, I need to use this for tenants to go over their leases. It's the perfect format for these big long forms, but I Googled the software and I'm like, okay, just kidding. I can't remember how much it costs. I can't remember the name of it either. I'll try to look it up and put it in the show notes or something, but it was very cool, but a little cost prohibitive at this stage in the game. Too rich for my blood right now. Yeah. No, thank you. I, yeah, that it, it was like looking at Folio and you just like are a sticker shock wondering how people are doing these they're just so expensive and they swear by them. All right. So we went from, so the duplex was next, but then you didn't have to find tenants for that. And so that is kind of the perfect dream is, you know, getting a cash flowing unit and not really having to do anything until you want to. So, and then you went single family home from there. Well, then we, we actually did a flip in between Ooh, we did a single we family flip. Um, and we used private money for the first time, which was, which oh, was fun. Very nice. Yeah. How did you find that just surveying friends and family or how did you getting the nerve Uh, to ask for private money is. So since then I have, yeah, I've like interviewed like strangers and had zoom calls like Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. (laughs) With private money. And I, you know, found a couple other ones, but uh, the first one was actually my mom. She didn't want to participate in doing the flip, but she was confident enough in us, especially now that we had done the flip and the, um, you know, bird, our, our two unit that we were in that she would fund us. So yeah, it was, it was a learning experience. 
Yeah. We had no contract. We had nothing yeah. written down and, you know, things were said that, that, uh, I guess she said she was going to do a, a little, a few more things <laughs> than actually happened. I thought, you know, cause we, we did a lot of DIY. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was going to come paint that mm-hmm. never happened. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really say anything. I don't have anything in writing. Right. Hey, about that manual labor we bargained in here. Yeah. <laughs> when can We're I cash in on that? Five houses. I know exactly how you feel. You're just like, come on. You just need like all hands on deck for the painting. Yep. I think the last house I painted, I like tapped out on my friends and family who were willing to help me. He's like, this is like the fifth house. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, next time budgeting for a painter. Got it. <laughs> Absolutely. It gets so tedious. Yes. Yeah. And it just is very time consuming. But then every time you get those painting quotes for like over a thousand dollars, I'm like, fine, I'll break up the paint rollers again. So I'm, I, that's on my to-do list to not paint a house for once, but it's yet to happen. Outsource painting. Outsource painting is on the list. We'll see if that happens because I, I think there's a lot of other things I hate more than painting. So that always seems to not make it off my plate. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think bookkeeping might beat out finding a painter. <laughs> I would much rather have a bookkeeper than someone um, <laughs> to paint my house. <laughs> I 100% agree with that statement. Yeah. Because right now I'm just like, have this bin of receipts that I'm collecting. And I'm like, I should really go and put this into my software. And it isn't that hard and it wouldn't take that long, but I just loathe that task. I don't know about you, but it's, it's no. a, it's a task that as Lauren would say, it's a task that feels heavy. It's yes. Just, you don't yeah. feel like doing it. It's not a light, fun task. Yes. Yeah. We all have those tasks. A heavy is a good way to describe it because that's, that's literally how I feel when I look at that bin, like in my closet, like I can look at it and I'm like, <laughs> your heart feels heavy. <laughs> like you're just like, no, thank you. That box looks terrible. So with your business, do you outsource anything yet? Are you guys still super hands-on? Um, so, you know, my husband's a contractor, he has trouble letting go of things, but yeah. so he used to do roofs. We've totally outsourced that. Uh, we've almost always outsourced anything electrical, unless it's minor, we outsource everything that's plumbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far now my husband, uh, does all of the other manual labor type stuff. I do all the bookkeeping stuff. So like we were just talking about, I think bookkeeping is, we outsource some of his stuff. Now I think bookkeeping should be, should be some of yours. You're yeah. like, I need to start getting items on this list. Yeah. I need, I want some of my stuff outsourced. Yeah. So that will uh, probably be, yeah, my next thing to outsource. Yeah. It's definitely a heavy feeling. And do you guys do anything specific with like the lawn care for your like duplex or your like these house hacking and lawn care is the other thing. I outsource now because I don't want to do it. And I feel like I need to have the yards done. Um, I don't know what you guys do with yours. This is my new thing. I'm like, I just want to know what, how people are managing utilities on like multi-units. So, so on our single family ish, you know, that has the ADU um, above the garage, she, the, the tenant there is actually doing the lawn. Cause it's like, kind of like a single family house. So it's in her lease to do that. And at the duplex that we inherited, they had never done lawn care or anything. So we said we were going to just do it until we got new tenants, but Mm -hmm. it's been 
this will be the third year now. Um, <laughs> my husband, he, you know, it takes him maybe an hour and a half to do it. So he just goes down the weekends, gets exercise and yeah. You know, what's funny. I actually listened to your podcast for the first time while mowing that property for yes. like the second or third time or something. I remember, t- I remember DMing you and be like, I just listened to your podcast <laughs> and I love it. Was that the bigger pockets one? Or was that mine? Like when I started that? It was when you started this one. Yeah. That's so exciting. And I was probably talking about, I don't want to mow my lawn anymore because I think that was kind of right at the same time. (laughs) I think that's why I text. I think that's why I DM'd you. Yes. Like I'm mowing my lawn thinking about how you're not mowing your lawn. Yes. (laughs) I was so excited to connect because I'm like, we have very similar ambitions and things. So it's always fun to kind of find people in a similar age group ish. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, but I think I'm older, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think we're the same age. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say I, I, so I downward spiraled. So I'm 31. I'll be 32 in May. And I downward spiraled when I realized Felipe. So, you know, Felipe Mejia, he's younger than me. Like he's 29. And I, I was no like, idea. yes. And so I was like really upset about this on my podcast interview with him because I'm like, I feel like I'm such an old person now. So yeah, that was my moment of shame. Like after that moment, when I realized Felipe is like FI already and younger than me, I feel like I have no shame around my age anymore. We're just, oh my gosh. Like, I'm just doing my best. <laughs> well, don't feel bad. I'm actually 30. Two. Oh wait, I thought I was just about to say 33, but no, I'm 32. 32. I feel like after 30, you start yeah. to like lose count and you're yeah, how old am I? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be 32 in like a few weeks, a month and a half. So that's exciting. Oh yeah. Happy so. early birthday. Thank you. Yeah. It's hey, maybe by the time this airs, I'll be 32 and we'll be the same age for a minute. There you go. <laughs> I'll take yeah. So Felipe is younger than both of us, and I'm still very bitter about this fun fact because I had no idea. But it makes sense because like our kids are kind of the same age ish. Like I think his son's a little older, but not by much. And now I'm like, I need to get my life together. Like, what am I even doing? So isn't that so funny that we think that just because you know, like that shouldn't have to go hand in hand, being old and being well, not old, but older yeah, and financially older. free. Like yes, there are people out there who are. 21 and 18 now that are, and it makes me so mad that I still have these like mindset blocks. It seems like, because I work so much on mindset and I'm like, and I still number one, do this comparison game, which is stupid. Like no one wins in this game. Like me and Felipe are on the same, like we're all trying to achieve the same thing. It's awesome. We're all here to help each other. And so I'm like, that number one, isn't healthy. (laughs) And then this whole thing, if you should do it by a certain age and breaking away from that is hard. Like, because I feel like it, like, it doesn't matter what age it is. And then moments hit you like that, where you're like, fall back into your old, old habits of being really bitter about it. It's so hard to break that mindset around being that like retire early or changing jobs or being work optional, being associated with some kind of age range. So in the comparison game, comparison game is so real. Like, yes. On Instagram, you see these you know, now that I know Felipe's 29, I know (laughs) you see these people who are younger than you. And it's like, man, if they can do it though, that it's kind of, it's, it's inspiring. Yes. They can do it. I can totally do it. Yes. And I think, yeah. And just his drive and motivation every day, he like, like, so I would, I call him occasionally and like pick his brain on deals and I'm like, he'll always be at the gym. And I'm like, I just woke up today. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so I'm like, it's good to be around very motivated people because it makes you want to like get up and do more. And I feel like I feel that way also with like our like-minded investor group because you're around people that are just like their game is on such a high level that you feel like you need to level up. Because I remember for a while, me and Lauren were about the same we were like collecting doors at the same rate. And then my life got a little crazy. Well, for a while I was ahead of her. And then she's like, how are you doing this? And then she was kind of doing the comparison game. And then my life got a little crazy. And now I'm probably going to be down to like two units pretty soon. That's what I like about a lot of the people like within the like-minded investors community. Like we all, like, everyone's doing such amazing things, but they're also still like, what can I do to help you do your next amazing thing? Like, yes. like, how can I help you and how can I pay it forward? Like, that's what I love about just everybody that participates, especially in the monthly meetups, like, and that, um, what's it called? Our, our after party. Yes. The after parties are my favorite. <laughs> Everybody's just so willing to share. And it's just like, it's just, I don't know. I exactly. I, I think that it can be a detriment, but it can definitely also be very helpful, but you have to like get out of your own head and yeah, stop the community. It's definitely your thoughts because you're like, there is a person buying rental property. Number eight, that is a neutral thing. Like there is nothing inherently good nor bad about them buying a house. And then your thoughts like get crazy and you're just like, okay, brain, like, what are you doing here? Because it's just so interesting how you can look at it and be like, I should be doing better. No, like go cheer them on. Like that's where your brain should go. And so that's, I think what I'm working on myself is just being always so excited for people because I'm like, you are always so excited for other people, but resisting the urge to compare is like your first gut reaction is hard to find. And some days are better than others in my rebrain training I'm doing (laughs) because I'm like, there is nothing inherently bad or good about X, Y, and Z happening around me. And so that's kind of my own like mental exercise because I think you in Jen also is very into like the mindset work too that you've been we've been kind of getting into also so for those who don't follow Jen Delafave they're awesome and so they're doing like seller financing playbooks and you're doing a lot of work with them so you've connected with Jen and Joe and you guys have some awesome things cooking I hear oh my goodness I told I've had coaches and mentors before but they are they're like I said, before we started this call, they're the first ones to ever be able to get my husband on board. Um, yes. <laughs> so tell them how your husband got on board and hooked. Like, did you introduce them to these videos? Like tell them where they can find them and how did you get him to like sit down and watch them? Did he do it on his own or did you oh, do some encouraging? Yeah. Okay. I was like, there's no way. I'm like, if I know how husbands and wives work. <laughs> we're... So yeah, um, they are on, I watch a lot of their I watch all their stuff, but I've watched, um, their seller calls on Facebook. It's the creative finance playbook on, on Facebook. Oh my gosh. They're so good. And I think, I, I think maybe total, there might be like 10 hours worth of video. I watched all 10 hours, took notes on every single one. And, um, my husband, he doesn't understand how I can sit around and just watch things like that for 10 hours. He's like, I want you to pick out, I want you to pick out just the good parts. I'm like, okay. So I took notes. I wrote down like where the calls started, where they ended. I made him watch just like each call and he fell in love with Joe. Like he loved the way that he can just talk to sellers and answer questions with ease. And he was just inspired. He's like, I can do that. Yes. That's so awesome. Yeah. I, I could also get down the rabbit hole and sit there for 10 hours and just watch videos. I feel you. 
Like I don't have any problems <laughs> for better or worse. I have no problem sitting there for 10 hours and watching every video in detail. So that's funny that you were able to like tease it out and still kind of hook him in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it all started because I was on a, I was looking for cold callers and I was on a phone call with someone and I just came out and told them I hate doing cold calling. So that's why I'm looking for a cold caller. And I didn't know he was home and listening to my conversation. And I got off the phone and he's like, I'll do the cold calling. And I was like, interesting. I never knew that you were interested in doing that. That's really cool. Yeah. And then you're doing a new house hack now. So where are you guys with that process? So we're doing a live in Burr right now. Okay. Uh, We bought this property at another auction. We love the online auctions, the in-person auctions. They're my absolute fave. Um, And we basically, we bought this, when did we close? In the beginning of December, Mm -hmm. it was not able to be lived in. So we ripped out all the carpets, put laid LVP throughout the whole house and painted the whole house. Just basically get it livable so we could move in. And actually I did outsource the painting to his nice, his sister and, uh, our little nieces came over and helped and that's so fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're in the process right now of refinishing the basement and then we're going to do the kitchen, two bathrooms at a deck, and then we're going to go through the refinance process. And hopefully if the market keeps going the way it is, we're looking at like creating another hundred thousand dollars of equity in this property. So that's awesome. Do you yeah. think you'll do another HELOC on it then if you have equity in the house that much, or do you like to pull the cash all out? Uh, we, I think on this one, we're going to pull all the cash back out and, um, just try and reinvest it really quickly into, into other things. I, I really love the long-term, yeah. long-term debt over, over, you know, the short-term 10-year HELOCs with a 10-year payback. So right. I think, yeah, I think we'll go for the 30 year again. Yeah. So this is my current debate with myself, I guess, is do I keep building equity in this house and like do some more remodels or something, or do I take like in chunk cash at this property and then take a HELOC out on it and then use that to constantly buy houses. So I can just like write myself a check every time and I don't have to do financing. And this is a dilemma I'm having right now. So who knows, but I go back and forth all the time because I'm like, I don't like the idea of the HELOC type loan and the variability, but it's interesting. And a lot of people use it too, as instead of having huge cash reserves, they use it as, you know, part of just their like emergency Mm -hmm. emergency fund. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. (laughs) Yeah. I live in the world of emergency funds and other personal finance things. So that's really interesting. So, and you guys are living in there. How long did it take you guys to get it like livable ready? Um, we had three and a half weeks, so it was, it was a lot of long nights. We were, we were working till midnight. Cause we were also in the process of our inspection failed at our, at the, oh gosh. Yeah. you know, that last house hack. So we were rushing to get things done there and get reinspected and get carpet installed. It was just, it was, we left it all for the last minute and it, it was a race. Yeah. I feel like yeah. real estate is very feast or famine. Like you're either dying and are like, how are we going to make it? And then the next day you're bored. (laughs) Yes. My husband and I were just talking like that. We said those exact words. Yeah. It's, it's very cyclical and it's kind of like a roller coaster and you hate it at the time. Like you're like, why do we do this to ourselves? 
And then it doesn't, how long did it take you guys like want to do it again? Like it, the rebound rate is also really like days, hours. That's like, what I, don't... I was just about to say. And then like the, like the first day that you have nothing to do or half the stuff to do anymore, you're like, all right, I'm ready for the next one. Let's go. Yeah. And I think it's because you just lived in straight chaos for so long. And then it's like, you don't know what to do with yourself because you've been working like as many hours in the day as you can stay awake. And then to nothing, it's like, there's like this void, like I should be painting something like where, what do I do with myself? <laughs> Where's my paintbrush? I went and walked around the Home Depot and didn't have anything to buy. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So tell me what's next for you and your husband. What's on the goals list? Are you, what are you working with on, with Jen and Joe? Um, what's kind of, what do you see next for your 2021 goals for 2021? I had originally said we were going to scale or we were going to grow very slow and just do like here and there one or two, but kind of on along the same uh, lines that we were just talking, that is boring to me. I (laughs) actually think that we're ready to like scale and maybe do a little bit more, um, projects at once. So yeah, I, uh, working with Jen and Joe, they have me really excited about the creative financing option. And I'm definitely interested in doing the rent to own. I think though, that it will just be one more tool in like our toolbox of real estate investing. It's going to be one more thing that we can offer to sellers instead of us, you know, before I was doing direct mail and just being like, I can pay cash for your property, you know, same mm-hmm. as everybody else, put low ball offers in. Now I feel like with this whole creative financing thing, there's an opportunity to be able to give sellers maybe more for their home or, you know, somehow help out homeowners that we couldn't help before, I guess, which right. I'm excited about. Yes. That's really exciting. I'm curious to see how everyone progresses too, because I'm like, I don't know if I like the rent tone for like one of the tools in my toolbox. Like, I just don't know if I want to go there because I like, I don't know, like you're the turtle, like all these properties are mine. <laughs> like, I don't want to sell, like, I don't want them to go. Um, so I just don't know if I want to do that or not, but it's a really fascinating idea. And the odds of people actually buying them from you are really low. So most likely I'd retain the properties. So it's interesting model. So I'm curious to see like how other people do with it and kind of watch. So, but I definitely think the creative financing aspect of buying it and seller financing things really intrigues me because I've yet to find the, like the person in the distress situation or like the child that inherited like their grandma's like hoarder house that they don't want to deal with. Like at the, ho- the hoarder houses that you remember from your childhood, that's what I'm shopping for. <laughs> so that is now the dream. I don't know. You guys probably have similar dreams. Like if we can find a hoarder house, someone doesn't want to deal with, this is now our like number one goal in life. Yes. It's, this is how we know we're adulting. My like biggest dreams in life are a garage with an upstairs apartment and a hoarder house that someone will sell to me for cheap. <laughs> it's weird times in real estate. So I know you guys, like you were kind of like, I don't love debt very much, but your husband was like a little more, I guess, normal, like normal Americans where you like use credit cards and you have a little bit of debt. How are you guys, how do you guys manage your personal finances? Like, do you keep any debt around? Do you have like car payments, that kind of thing? I like to pick people's brains on how you manage like your personal side because business and personal tend to be different. And it's interesting to see like how people do that. We try and keep as very, like very minimal personal debt. Um, my car is totally paid off. We are, I, I forget maybe 14 payments away on his truck, nice. which is exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. And 
then, you know, a lot of our other debt is, is business debt from, you know, buying a dump trailer. And that mm-hmm. was the best thing we ever did because how expensive are dumpsters? I can't even tell oh. you. Like how mine many- are like $600 each time. Yes. Yep. A dump trailer would be the dream. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like I may, I maybe you might be willing to convince me to go into debt for a dump trailer. Maybe <laughs> we, we have sometimes we've, we've actually talked about getting a second one. It's that yeah. powerful. And it is already, like I said, it's already paid for itself probably like three times over and we've had it for one year. That's awesome. So yeah. a little bit of debt on like a dump trailer, so yeah. like kind of business debt, but very selective. Yes. Very selective. As long as like, it's kind of, it's, it's almost like in real estate it has to like, give us something back for us yes. to put debt on it. Yeah. If it's giving you your time back or giving you money, it's kind of worth it. But do you guys, yeah. are you budgeters also, or do you just kind of, um, I am to an extent, I know kind of in the back of my head, but I don't really have like a budget laid out. We're mm-hmm. just, we, we've always lived below our means. So it's kind of like, I don't want to say I don't have to budget, but I I know when I feel like I'm spending too much, if that makes sense. Right. No, it totally does. Because this is what I'm finding about real estate investors. Like they don't want to micromanage their personal finances. So you're really common with a lot of people where they're like, I don't budget. Like I don't have time, nor do I want to budget like every cent and every dollar. Like I am crazy and I still do that. But I also like run my personal finances really thin and like shove everything into real estate. So I feel like I'm a little... Like I, I need to keep better cash reserves and then I wouldn't have to do this. Um, but again, like it's a feeling like after you kind of are mindful of your spending and you know how much you want to save and you can kind of, you know, you know how much money you're putting to real estate and you're hitting that goal. You don't really need to micromanage the other side. I think that's just like a, if you need to like get your shit together <laughs> a little bit is when you need to like bring the budget back in. Like, Hey, we need to rein in the spending. But yeah. when you tend to yeah. buy like, cash flowing assets. You don't have to worry as much about what you're buying. Like our discretionary spending is like houses and that's not normal. (laughs) Oh, I meant to ask you what auction sites are you watching online? Do you have some like local for your area or are you watching like auctions.com or? Yeah. So, um, I do, we do local auctions. So Mm -hmm. I have like a whole bunch in Asana. I have them all, you know, laid out in, order of like local auctions. And then I have the online auctions, which is, I'm pretty sure they're all nationwide. It's auction.com, exome.com, hubzoo.com. There's, um, oh, I should have brought it up. Uh, I go to hudhomestore.com. Those are the HUD foreclosures. It's not exactly an online auction, but you do bid online. So Interesting. Online thing. Yeah. Yeah. Our share sales just got moved to totally online, which is interesting. Nice. Yeah. So auctions are fascinating to me. I don't know a lot about them. So with all, so I know like my local share of sales, you have to come as a cash buyer. Like you can't do anything else. So our local options are really limited because you have to bring like all cash and pay a certain percent. And then by like the end of the day, you have to pay for the rest of it. So like financing it, isn't an option online. Are there different choices or what are you finding? Yeah. So online, I mean, your best chance is buying in cash, but the properties you have to look at every single individual property. There are quite a few, I was shocked properties that um, say like in the bottom corner, financing accepted. And then you can click on that and see, you know, what the financing terms are and stuff like that. And when you go to put your uh, bid in, which is also your offer, 
you can actually say that you have financing. So, you know, they do, they do look at more than just highest bid. Sometimes they will accept an offer that's a little bit lower than the highest bid. If that highest bid is financing contingencies. Interesting. So yeah, um, yeah sort of online. I mean, I think it's still best to try and go for cash or at least have uh, a private investor or hard money lined up. Cause you do at least have between 30 and 45 days to close on the online auctions. It's not like they expect you to close within 10 days or something or yeah, by the end of the my day. local ones like want like your cash by the end of the day. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Do you know what's funny though? Our local auctions are even they they're it's incredible. The one that we got the house that we're living in now, they gave us 45 days to close. So we closed with a conventional loan on this property. Interesting. Yeah. And I just were we're attending an auction, I think in two weeks. And they allow 60 days to close. I'm like, I could find that. I have 60 days to find the money. Let's, right? let's do it. Yeah. That's fantastic. You're like, I could do it a bunch of different ways with 60 days. Yeah. Once you have a sense of urgency, like I do, I kind of enjoy doing things under pressure. So that'd be under, that would be for better or worse. I'm a procrastinator. So I'm like 60 days. That's like a dream. Like I could waste 30 and then still figure my life out. My husband and I just said the other day, we were like, um, the only way we get stuff done is when we have a deadline and we're under pressure. That is, yeah. yeah. Otherwise we procrastinate. We're the same way. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, I have all this time. And then I'm like, holy moly, I have to paint this house in like three days. How am I going to yep. make this happen? Yeah. It's crazy. So I feel you like all hands on deck at the end. It's like a mad dash for the end. So, but I think that's kind of the addicting part sometimes. So it'll be interesting if I like ever like stop working in my business, how that will feel. <laughs> because for now I'm like, I kind of like being in the trenches, but I think that's because we're ambitious and you want to like be hands-on in the early days. So, but you definitely don't have to be. Yeah. I was talking to Lauren and it's, it seems like, I don't know, a lot of people are in the same boat. We, we want a DIY and we want to like be in the trenches and we want to learn, but then we also want to outsource at the same time. So yes. I do like the idea of doing it in the beginning, even if you don't want to, just so you can learn and figure out what the process and then you, you can outsource and you know, what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Because I've definitely learned a lot because I wasn't really involved a lot in the early properties. And then I became super hands-on when I did my house hack. And I learned so much from this house about what plumbing should look like, what electrical should be like, how to test outlets, like little things that I just never knew. And now I feel in pretty handy about things, but I feel like now I know how to better like handle like subs and different contractors and things that come in and like your electrician and everything, you know, so much more what you're looking for once you've done it and worked in it. And so I feel you on that. Like, I wouldn't know. I've seen what ridiculously bad plumbing looks like now where I'm like this mess, like it just needs to not be this hard. Like, why are there so many shutoff valves? Like this, like make it less crazy. And <laughs> I, you just, you learn what it should and shouldn't look like. Like I bought these fancy light fixtures because they, you know, dim and there's no dimming happening anywhere. Like it's just on or off. Like this is a wiring <laughs> So you learn when people know their stuff and when they don't. So it's very interesting for better or worse. It's definitely like just trial by error, trial and error, trial by fire. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, homepath.com. Mm -hmm. I check that one a lot too. 
That's awesome. I don't, didn't know about some of these. So I'm going to have to like search better because I'm trying to find like alternative deal finding is my goal. Um, any other systems that you've like implemented in your business that you use every day? Like I'm a big, like Google. So you swear by Asana, which is interesting because I think I could definitely see that in the rental business now that you're talking about it. Um, I also started using Google keep because it, you can do that on Android or Apple. It's just kind of like a notes app. Um, and I can share that with my handyman. And so that's kind of one, I don't know. What else do you guys use? Oh, nice. I use Stessa, but really only for the finance part of it to just keep track of all of that. I don't really use any other <laughs> features yes. on it. I just love that everything gets auto imported into there. And then I just like assign it to where it needs to go. Yes. So I have Stessa set up right now, or I started setting it up. I like have an account. My bank account is linked to it and then I've never logged back in. <laughs> so my goal by the end of this quarter, which is like, I don't know, tomorrow um, is to go into Stessa and actually get it updated. So we'll see if that really happens or not, but I started with it. So for those who don't know, Stessa is like this online bookkeeping software. And I tried and yelled at QuickBooks. I don't know if you've ever tried QuickBooks, like the online version, it's horrible for rental properties. It's just not intuitive. And I think if you're an accountant, maybe it is, but for me, I was just yelling at QuickBooks for a long time. So Stessa's at least easier to set up initially. It makes sense, we but now I need Quick to go back in. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to. It's, it's, it like changed my life when I actually sat down and did it. We use QuickBooks for our remodeling business. And before Stessa, I was trying to use it for the rental business. And you were absolutely right. It is just, it like, yeah, it makes no sense to me. It's very clunky. It makes sense if you're running any kind of business where you like sell an item. I'm like, I can get this, but like the rent part and the whole like deposits. And it was just so clunky to get it set up. And then if you have like multiple units at one property, I'm like, I'm about to rip my hair out. Like I just yeah. can't. <laughs> yes. Yes. But then, yeah, I also swear now by Google calendar, I used to hate having an online calendar. I was such a paper person. Yeah. Now I love it. I get, you know, before this podcast, I got my half hour warning and I was like, oh yeah, you never forget anything. And that's another thing I finally got my husband on board with is yes. shared Google calendar, which is a life changer that changes lives as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Because I, I used to also be a paper person. Like I like color coded it. Like I had pens and I was very into paper and now I live and die by my Google calendar. Like if it doesn't alert me, it's not happening, <laughs> which is I've almost gone the other way where I'm like fully depend. Like if Google like died tomorrow and I didn't have a Google calendar, I wouldn't know what to do with my life. <laughs> so uh, we would both be running around with like a chicken with their heads cut off. Like, yeah. Where I'm like, do I get like paper lists out again? Like, I don't, because I even put like, do this today on there. Oh, I meant to ask you, do you guys use your own calculators to run your numbers or are you using like the bigger pockets calculators? So I always run them really fast through the bigger pockets one, just because it's not as cumbersome as the ones that um, we've created over time because we just keep adding and adding and adding to it. Yeah. But once, once bigger pockets tells me it's like a decent deal, then I kind of dive deeper into our own little calculators. Nice. So what do your own calculators look at that your bigger pockets doesn't? No, I'm curious. Um, well, it's, it more includes like the rehab budget and mm -hmm. I'm able, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff, but kind of put in like a different order and <laughs> 
Yeah. It's just my brain can handle it better because I created it and it's like yes. my brain understands it and the order of everything a lot better than the bigger pockets one. Some people will email me and ask like, oh, can I use spreadsheets? And I have the same moment where I'm like, this works for my brain, but I don't know if it's going to work for your yes. brain. He's like, I know how like I've organized the formulas and things. This is where like your business degree comes in handy. He's like, well, look at me run the spreadsheets. But then you're like, would other humans know how to use this? I don't, I don't think so. Like, I really, I really don't think somebody <laughs> could right off the bat, just start using them They're yeah. they're And they're a little bit of a mess. Cause I'm not, maybe you should take a look at them. I am not the best at Excel. Um, I'm very weird about like my Excel, Excel aesthetics. So I, I can do that all day. So I could probably beautify your calculator. Once you explain to me, we should like trade calculators and you'd be like, is this intuitive? And then I'll make yours pretty because I think yes. that's like, that's what I do for my day job sometimes too, is just like make people's decks and sheets and things just look a little bit better. So when you're giving a presentation, it looks a little nicer. So yes. what are your kind of next goals for your, have you decided what you think you want to do with your like men investors group that you guys are working on? Do you think it'll evolve into anything else or are you still deciding what you want to do? Yeah, I think, I feel like it's just going to evolve into it's going to sound weird, but whatever it involves evolves into, um, I want to keep growing the monthly meetups. I love them. That's where I've gotten so many of my connections where I found private money lenders. Um, I would love, love, love in the future to have some kind of mastermind, like an actual mastermind, not just like a random group of people meeting right. once yes. a month, uh, even though it's so much fun. And I mean, I don't know, retreats could be in the future if, you know, things ever kind of go back to normal and, um, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, you know, the, the website is kind of a place where people have sent me different freebies and different downloads and, and just helpful things to, and resources for people in their investing journey. So I'd love to continue growing that and just have like a trusted, you know, base of, of resources for people to go to. Yeah. And we'll beautify your calculators. Maybe they'll make it into your resource catalog. <laughs> yes. You can share the wealth of calculators. And yeah, it's, there's such good resources that I'm excited to see where this group goes because it's definitely big and diverse. We did like a speed dating ish thing last time. That's how I felt like it was like you got put into groups yes. of six in, and it was so much fun or groups of four, six. I don't know how big the group sizes were, but it was just so nice to, because the meetings are like hundred people now and they're so big and it just made it, you got to kind of know faces a little bit. And so I was a really big fan of that format. So hopefully we'll keep that going a little bit because that was great. I'm like, this is what speed dating would feel like <laughs> if you're, except if you're real estate people like, Hey, do you, are you a private money lender? Are you an investor? Like, where are you at? Are you brand new? Do you have nothing going on? Um, kind of learning what everyone's niches are. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I was so excited to do that because my most favorite meetup that I ever intended, uh, attended in person was like a speed networking thing where, you know, you sat across from someone and then kept changing chairs. And I was like, how can we replicate that online? Like, yes. and I was like, oh my gosh, zoom breakout rooms. And I'd never yes. done it before. I was so, I was like, watching YouTube videos, trying to figure out how to do breakout rooms for people. And I'm like, Oh, let's just try it. I'm so glad yes. you liked it. Yes. You know, it was fantastic. And I think it was very well received. There was such good comments flooding in. So if you guys are new or if you've been investing for a while, or if you're like, Hey, I'm a private money lender and I want to, you know, get in on this, but I don't want to like 
DIYing things sounds terrible, but here you, you know, have met a team of a crew that has like proven their track record and you can kind of get to know us, which I think is the beauty of online. So it's a yes. really good place to kind of connect with people and check everything out, which is so exciting. Yeah. So I'm yeah. really pumped to see where it goes and to kind of watch you guys and Jen and Joe evolve things because I'll, I'll be curious to see where you go because I'm, I want like one more person to like go before me with the rent to own and see how it goes and be like, okay, more survivors. I could maybe incorporate this and diversify my income a little bit. So we're definitely going for it. It's uh, it's, it, it's going to be our like number one for now, at least our number one, like go-to strategy with the backup offers of, of cash and, you know, take a low, lower cash offer or take this amazing seller finance offer. And then we turn around and that's the part I like about it with the rent to own is you turn around and, and you can, you know, provide somebody with a house that wasn't able to get a mortgage for some dumb reason or another. Like my husband and I are self-employed and right. it's, it's a lot more difficult to get loans when you're self-employed. And then too, if you've just started, you know, you have to be employed for two years. Like there's just so many, so many things. And then, you know, people's credit gets destroyed because of, of divorce when it's not their fault and they're working on it. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I love helping people who don't qualify for the conventional mortgage. I mean, they're out there for dumb reasons why they can't get a mortgage. And, you know, Jen and Joe do really promote the fact that they have very, very well-qualified tenant buyers and, you know, they don't accept people into their rent to own program without 10% down. And I don't know, I think, I feel like sometimes the rent to own gets a slight, like bad reputation because, mm -hmm. you know, people have taken advantage of, you know, collecting this huge down payment, knowing these people are never going to be approved for a mortgage and kick them out after two or three years of them not being able to get a mortgage. Mm -hmm. But so far, I mean, Jen and Joe, they, they uh, have not had that happen. All their rent to own buyers have bought the homes and um, they even have them now go through like a company and go through this huge screening process and make sure that they're qualified to, or at least have the most likeliness, if that's yeah. how you put it, of being approved for a mortgage when the time And comes. I really like their model because really the rent is kind of like icing on the cake for them. And so they don't, how they have set their structure up, it actually, like it works really well for them because they collected the down payment. And then those tenant buyers, like if they aren't ready for 10 years, then they're collecting rent still. And so I feel like it's a very sweet niche because they're not going to be like those shady companies out there that come out after like two years or three years, because they're like, this is awesome. Like you can pay us rent for the rest of time. And this is great. Like it'll pay down the mortgage of the house. And so I feel like it's such a win-win situation for people that are in these kind of distressed situations that aren't going to qualify. And a lot of it is like totally like these entrepreneurs, like self-employed people who they need like two or three years of like solid income and tax returns and things to prove that they can buy a house. And that's hard for people just starting out. So, yeah. and they might have really good incomes and a lot of cash and they still can't get approved and the market's so hot right now. So the houses they would be able to afford, they can't pay all cash. for those. Right. It's just, right. yeah, it's fascinating, especially in COVID times, everyone's jobs and things changing and people having to change line of work. And I think a lot of people kind of freelancing online, it's definitely made it, that pool is greater for people that need that program. So I definitely see the merits in it for sure. So yeah, I think yeah. I 
am like still on the sidelines about it until I just want to see like a little more. I'm learning slowly, but I am stubborn. Well, this has been fantastic. I've taken up your whole evening, partially with computer struggles and freezing internet, but (laughs) it's been so much fun to chat. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, like anything else we want to cover, but we've really dove deep through, you know, the course and everything. And we've already talked about outsourcing. I always pick that question at the end, but we've really nailed it. So this was um, amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. And you were again, my, my first podcast, you made it you made me feel special and, and I am so excited. To, I was like, please tell me because we kept having schedule conflicts. I'm like, please tell me that no one else interviewed you yet because I wanted the title of like being the first one to interview you because I'm like, you're going to go on and do amazing things. And I want to be like, I was your first podcast interview. So that's my goal. So when you're a rock star, remember this moment. <laughs> <laughs> We're both going to be rock stars. We're going to level up together. I know. I'm so excited. I I'm working on finalizing one of my courses in Kajabi. And so I'll be emailing you with some fun things. So I'm just doing like a mini course right now. So it should be fun. So all on tenant screening. So I did like a downloadable, like PDF is kind of the big part, but I'm going to do some videos, I think in there. So I'm excited. It's so much super fun. fun. My ARV course, how to determine ARV should be coming out soon. It might even be out by the time this podcast comes out. Oh, I'm so excited. So I'm really bad at estimating ARV, which is like a hugely important part. If you want to do the burst strategy, because if you can't figure out your after repair value, you don't know how much you're going to (laughs) like, you don't know what you're doing with Burr pretty much. So I want to like be the first person to sign up for your course. Maybe I'll yes. take that title. You can be, I can be your first podcast interview and I can be your first course attendee. It's a deal. <laughs> I love it. So tell everyone where they can find you online and also kind of the like-minded <clears throat> investors group, kind of where everything lives that you have. Um, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at realestate.care on Facebook at realestate.care. Um, you can go to at like-minded investors um, on Instagram. And I think it's that on Facebook too. It might be like my investors community. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, and you can put it in the show notes Perfect. and, um, like mineinvestors.com. Sounds wonderful. We'll definitely go check out all the groups. Follow Kier. She's fantastic. I love it. And I'm very excited to level up as we go forward. So Me this has been too. a pleasure and I'll let you have a wonderful night. So thank you for being patient with my internet problems as well. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Bye. Gosh, did you all just love this episode? I hope you're enjoying each of these podcasts as much as I am. If you are, please go subscribe to the podcast and spread the word by sharing your thoughts on Instagram. If you are not already aware, I'm pretty much obsessed with Instagram. So seriously, come find me. Instagram is the place where I'm going to announce every new podcast episode. I also share new products as I post them into my store. And I also am just going to be oversharing way too much about my personal life as a DIY landlord and a working boss mom. Thanks so much for listening.